Hi, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things happen. I'm Mara Davis, radio and TV host, political enthusiast, mom, social media activist, and news junkie. And I'm Jen Jordan, and I think I'm just going to be Jen today. That's that's, kind of how I'm feeling. Well, obviously, we have a lot of thoughts today, because at the time we're recording this, we just learned the president and the first lady are are positive with COVID. The debates happened. The Supreme Court justice was nominated. There's so many things going on. So we're going to try and keep this together and timely and manage all of these news stories. Because when you're hearing this, I mean, I, I mean, who knows what... Right. I mean, so so to the extent we can talk about things in a way that are, are going to be relevant next week, no matter what happens, um, that's what we're going to that's what we're going to attempt. We're going to try and focus on that. We're going to try and focus on voting coming up. We're going to have a whole section of situations and your questions about voting. And we've gotten quite a few of them via Twitter. And by the way, we have a new Twitter at Podcast Vote. We finally set that up so you can tweet us and we will tweet you back. Uh, let's get started with the Supreme Court. You know, last week we had uh, Brian Robinson, a, a Republican political strategist, really call it when he predicted who would be the nominee. And that's Amy Coney Barrett, who got appointed. And there was a lot of hubbub around that because it was so quick. What are your thoughts about that, Jen? So obviously, Brian was right. Y'all should listen to uh, last week's podcast. He was prescient, I would say. You know, what's interesting is that now that it's happened and there's been kind of this news coverage after the fact, it looks like this was kind of a done deal period in terms of the conservative side, that this was really the plan since day one, especially with respect to Ginsburg's seat. And um, so that is that's a little disconcerting that they've really just been kind of waiting, you know, kind of with their hands, you know, they're rubbing them together, just kind of waiting for the opportunity. But you know what? We don't know a lot about her. And I think that um, we need to do as much as we can to find out as quickly as possible since they seem to be intent on shoving this nomination through. So my impression, I had a couple of thoughts. First, I read a lot of op-eds about even liberal people, people on the other side that know her, think she's a great scholar, brilliant woman, feel that she'd be fair. And the other thing that I kept seeing was a lot of conservatives, especially women, saying, oh, it's going to be attack on her faith and Catholicism before anybody was even saying anything and this is on the heels of the first Jewish woman ever to be buried, you know, in in the Capitol, the way Ruth Bader Ginsburg was. So I found that particularly, I, it, it was really tough for me to process all the uh, supposed anti-Catholic bias. And we can play a few clips of that. Amy Coney Barrett is a hardcore Catholic, among other things. She has seven children. I completely expect her to be, if she is the nominee, to be slandered and maimed in a way we've never seen before. And I don't think that's what anyone wants. When the left and members of the media attempt to otherize a conservative Catholic woman in this way, it only affirms what Trump has been selling to his supporters for four years, that Democrats are out to get them, that feminism only defends some women, that he is the only protector of American Christianity and that the media is fake news. 
this is what people are saying, but I feel like that was a talking point. That was even a talking point that Brian went to last week saying, it's going to drum up all the, you know, people who are going to make fun of Christians and conservatives. And look, look, they're trying to frame it in a way to make it look like any criticism of her um, because of her legal philosophy that that somehow means that it's it's a it's a personal criticism of her that that it must mean it's about her faith and and that's just not a that's not true and b it's unfair to the american people because just because you you criticize someone for how they approach the law or how they apply the law you know it doesn't mean anything about how you feel about their religion i'm sure she's a very nice person she looks like it you know but look, there are a lot of nice people out there that can do some really not great stuff when it comes to the law. Do you think that she has some conflicting feelings on her own? Because here she is. She obviously, she is a mother of seven. She is well-accomplished scholar, a family woman, has high values. And, you know, when you're asked to be the Supreme Court justice, this is the highest opportunity you can ever get in the Trump administration, you would think a woman of that stature would maybe have problems with some of the policies and attitudes that have come from the administration. Look, I think it's about kind of a a means to an end, right? And that's what we've seen with a lot of supporters of the Trump administration who kind of hold their nose. But at the end of the day, they say, oh, but... At the end of the day, we're going to get a policy we want. So it doesn't matter if he has jailed children. Um, It doesn't matter if he's done things that have hurt people. Because at the end of the day, we're going to get that justice on the Supreme Court. Well, there was also a story in The Guardian about how she had attached herself and did not disclose that she was part of an anti-abortion group that was pretty, pretty extreme. So certainly that's going to come up in hearings that in light of all the news I think they're going to do everything forward to push these hearings through. But Jen, I mean, really, I mean, we're we're looking at as close as we are to the election. The majority of people don't want to rush this through. I mean, that's what people are saying. People don't care about the Supreme Court. Us political nerds, we're interested in it. But is the average person trying to get their kid to school, making sure that they, they're going to pay their bills that month? Is this something that that really means something to them? You know what? It normally doesn't. But I think that it really should. And let me and let me kind of walk you back as to why. For for example, what you were talking about, a group that um, Judge Barrett was associated with. Well, that group believes that life begins at fertilization, fertilization. Okay, not even implantation, but fertilization. So what does that mean? Well, let's talk about the suburban women of this country. I know that, you know, I know for myself um, and so many women that we know out there, they've had fertility issues, have had to go through fertility treatments. They have embryos, whatever it is. So all of a sudden, these very personal beliefs start to have an impact on how all of us lead our lives. And so that's when you have to start focusing and understand that while this seems like it's really far away and that it doesn't impact you, it absolutely will. And if you want your fertility doctor thrown in jail, you know, you got to think about these things because that is the power of a Supreme Court justice. And we're also on the heels of the week where Chrissy Teigen and John Legend's revealed that 
uh, their baby died um, and they from complications. And I would I felt that it was extremely powerful because everyone or everybody knows somebody, women who have been through a horrific experience. And that doesn't matter if you're pro-choice or pro-life. This is something we can all connect on. And I don't think she was oversharing. And I think to your point, Jen, I think people see that and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is personal. This is my healthcare. This is something horrific that's happening to me. And what, what's going to happen if I lose my health care or my rights? Well, and it's clarifying in terms of the totality of our experience as women, right? And unfortunately, miscarriages, loss, stillbirths, trying to get pregnant, all of those things are like these secrets that we hold and we never share them and they eat away at our soul, right? So when you see someone who shares something that is so incredibly personal and you look at that picture that she shared on Twitter and you and you, your heart can't but break because yeah. you, you know all of us have been there or we've had a close friend be there and so it's one of those you know it really does kind of clarify what does women's health care mean women's health care means that so we're going to have to take a look at that this is going to be very interesting to see what happens I mean you know, so many of the people saying, oh, is she going to get Kavanaugh? And I think there's a very big difference between someone who was accused of sexual assault, whether you believe it happened or not. And let me be very clear. I do not think she will be Kavanaugh because I, I, I'm pretty sure that that Judge Barrett is not going to have any of those issues. I don't think so either. Uh, um, and, and that's the tough thing is I want to like her. I want to root for her. And that's that's what where I resent the line of some of these conservative women who have come out there swinging out of the gate saying, oh, you can't respect a conservative woman because she has passion in her faith, her faith. There's a great New York Times article about this where all of these conservative women, you know, they feel like this was sort of their reckoning, right? Like, oh, one of we're looking at one of us. And I just, I do resent that line of, oh, feminist, bad, you're bad, you know, where it's like, and I also think it's, it goes the other way. So it's, it's, we're not being productive. Well, look, I think we should get to a point where just because we're women, we don't have to celebrate a woman actually achieving. I mean, the fact that it is it is being lauded because it is such a rare thing, that shows you how far behind we are. I agree. It, this should really just be about what is her judicial philosophy? What kind of justice is she going to be? What has her experience been? And should she be confirmed? That's it. And I, I understand if people appreciate um, kind of her background and all that. That's fine. That's great. Like I said, she, she could be the best cook. She could have the best kids. All of that wonderful stuff. But at the end of the day, if I don't think that she is going to make a good justice, then that's actually what matters. Well, we're going to have to wait and see because a lot is going to happen over the next couple of weeks. I got to take a deep breath because it's just, it's a lot. (laughs) Okay. So let's get to the real issue. And that is voting. Dun, dun, dun. So we both got our absentee ballots. I finally got mine. 
I was so excited about this. I felt like you, what, what did you say? That it was like The Bachelor? Right, getting the rose. <laughs> it's like I go to the, the mailbox every day. What does it feel like to vote for yourself? It is a very odd feeling. I will have to say the first time I did it, it almost felt like cheating, you know? Like, what if I only win by one point? You know, one vote. Is is this right? But then once you <laughs> once you have this job for a while, you're like, of course I'm going to vote for myself. And uh, as everybody knows, if you're listening, Jen is running for state senator uh, in district number six. six. So listen, we're not telling you what to do. We're just saying she's on the ballot. I don't live in your district, so. That's right. I can't. You know, I would if I could, but uh, so I voted and I did drop my ballots off in the mail and I made sure that number one, I did double postage on that, which are they saying you have to put two stamps? Because I went into the post office and I walked into the man and I handed it to him and I said, do I have enough postage? And he said, yes. So I would just put two stamps on there just to be sure. Yeah. Look, I, I think that there is some question about whether or not if there is or isn't, whether they'll still deliver it. But you know what? This is too important of an election year to take any chances. Put two first-class stamps on it. Yeah. If you're going to put it in the mail, because just make sure it gets there. It's that important. So I've been checking the MVP page of Georgia.gov. You can go on there and you can find out your voter status. So I, you know, I put it in the mail uh, Monday afternoon as of Friday. It, It hadn't, been logged in yet. So I feel okay about it. And the reason why I decided to do the mail is because I felt like I mailed in my application and the ballot was mailed back to me. So that worked. So I feel like it was two out of two was a win, but there are drop boxes all over town. Yeah. And, and look, the good thing is, is, and this is what I would tell everybody, fill them out now and get them in as quickly as possible. And then check to make sure that they're accepted. Because then, for example, with Mara, if she keeps checking and checking and checking and it never comes through, then she's going to be able to do something about it. But that's why when you wait to the last minute and your absentee ballot maybe never gets there or never gets accepted, you know, if it's the last minute, there's really no way to correct that. What would I do if in two weeks I don't see it logged in? I think you call your... um, You're in Fulton County, right? Yep. You'd call Fulton County Board of Elections and you would say, you need to tell me what to do at this point. Okay. Because they will give you clear guidance on that. And it'll probably depend how close we are to the election, um, how far along it was since you mailed it, all these kind of things. But it's best just to get it in as quickly as possible, track it in terms of if, if it's accepted or not. Once it's accepted, you can kind of just take a deep breath. Well, I did sign up for ballot tracks too, just to be sure. So I'm checking it every day. The only other thing was when you're looking at the jungle primary, which we talked about last week, that is challenging because there's so many names on it. Yeah. And I think this is super important. So, okay. So we've been hearing about all these polls, right? And the big issue has been Lieberman, Warnock. Oh my gosh, Lieberman needs to get out because he's really going to hurt Warnock, all this kind of stuff. The issue with the polls is that there are 21 candidates in that race. So when there's a poll, the pollster will say, are you for Collins? Are you for Leffler? Are you for Warnock? Are you for Lieberman? 
you know, or in Tarver, sometimes they throw in, or someone else. But they don't name any of the other people. If you're not paying attention and you go in there and you look at this ballot and it is 21 people, I mean, it is confusing even if you know that that's what's going to happen. So confusing. And I think it's tougher on Warnock because you're last. Right. Because it's in alphabetical order. Yeah. So that was one of the questions we got. So, for example, in my race, my opponent, who's a Republican, whose last name is behind mine in the alphabet, right? <laughs> Not even going to say his name. He's ahead of me, right? So I got a question um, from Twitter, which was, hey, this doesn't make sense. You're the incumbent and your name is alphabetically before his. So what gives? So this is the answer. In Georgia, we have this weird little law um, that says that whomever um, controls the governor's mansion, that that party goes first. And so it's one of those things where that's why you will see in these elections um, that the Republican will always be ahead of the Democrat, even when they're an incumbent. That is so interesting. That's an interesting nugget. Now, I have another question for you, which like really bothered me last week. And that is, I saw the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, tweeting I know this is the guy in charge of all the elections tweeting congratulations to the president for electing the Supreme Court nominee. And I personally found it offensive and partisan and unnecessary. Why would you even do that? And is that okay? So whether something, so let's go back to, there are some things you can do and there are some things that you What you can do do versus what you should do, there's a little bit of a difference. I would counsel the Secretary of State, if I were one of his advisors, that maybe this close to an election, especially an election that is so contentious and where people are so concerned about the integrity of elections and about making sure that they are being conducted in a way that's nonpartisan, right? That that's fair, that maybe it's not the best thing to do to get on social media and, and show a clear kind of partisan um, bent just because you want people to feel good about We want to trust you. Yeah. We want to trust you, right? Right. So that... I thought was kind of... And why why set yourself up so that when or if anything happens with the election, people are automatically going to assume some kind of bad intent, right? Right. Just stay above the fray. Right. Just make it all business. It's not hard, especially like, you know, but it didn't... I don't think it got a whole lot of play. I don't think anybody cared. I think I'm just sort of a news addict, Twitter nerd, political, you know, everything is like, it's like, uh, it's not a good thing. There's so much going on. I'm addicted to all of this, but it really did rub me the wrong way because it was so unnecessary, especially like you're talking about a Supreme Court thing. It has nothing to do with Georgia. It's just like, it, it, it was just weird to me. Okay. So we've got a lot of questions from you guys regarding elections. And our next guest uh, is going to help us answer some of that. 
Well, our guest today is Sarah Tyndall Gazal, and she's running for Georgia State House District 45. But we have Sarah on today because she's built the most comprehensive voter protection operation in the country. She's done groundbreaking work to advance voting rights all across Georgia, 2018, 2019. And she became the first full-time year-round voter protection director in the country. So she is totally dedicated to protecting the integrity of our election system. And Sarah and her program has emerged as a national model uh, for people to vote around the country. Sarah, welcome to the Voter Podcast. Thank you. I am so excited to be here with you guys. Well, we're excited to have an expert on uh, on voting because there are lots of questions out there. And also, I wanted to... Um, say that before she did election protection in Georgia, she actually worked with the Carter Center, which is pretty important work internationally in terms of election security. So she she really knows what she's talking about. And they have a great farmer's market on Saturdays that I go to every week. (laughs) So So let's jump in. Let's jump in with some of the questions. I, Sarah, mailed in my vote Can you walk me through what happens when it gets to the office? Absolutely. So when you mail in your ballot, well, whether you mail it in, you drop it in a drop box, or you deliver it by hand to your county election office, the process from that point is going to be the same. The first thing that county officials will do is they will um, evaluate your signature on the back of that oath to make sure that you, the voter, are the person who submitted that ballot. Um, and once they do that, they update the voter registration system, which a voter can track by a, a couple of different methods and determine whether or not they're going to accept that ballot. Um, once they've accepted the ballot and you know it, that's you're done, right? You're, they're done and dusted um, as a voter. But the county is going to keep working on that. So up to two weeks and one day before uh, November 3rd, so that is the 19th of October, counties have the authority to begin processing those absentee ballots. So the first step is they will open up that outer envelope and separate out the inner envelope. What that does is that separates the voter from the vote. So it maintains the anonymity of your vote so nobody can know exactly what you marked on your ballot. Then after they've done that, then they open up those inner envelopes and they take out the ballots and they scan them through the scanners. Um, They do not take that last step in this two weeks, which is simply pressing the button to tabulate them. So they won't have, there's no way to know who voted what way at that point, but what they will know, what they, what they do is they process all of that so that on November 3rd, once polls closed, all of those ballots that have been submitted prior to that point can, will be added to the vote totals that are released that night. Yeah, because it, in the the rule change, which allows them, the, the county offices to now do this, the the two weeks and one day before election day, that was really a, a rule change in light of the fact that that because of COVID, so many people started to vote by absentee. Isn't that correct? That's exactly right. Because in the primary, there was only a week. It took a full two weeks for um, all of the absentee ballots to be counted in Cobb County, in my, you know, my, my personal county. So I had no idea how many votes I had earned until you know, mid-June. 
And that, um, that big delay just creates uncertainty. Now, the processing will be a lot faster this time because there's only one ballot style. You don't have three different ballot styles. Um, but we are, we're expecting a lot higher turnout. So, um, so the, they extended it to two full weeks so that the county can go ahead and get that done. There will still be ballots that they'll need to process afterwards, ballots coming in on election day, the overseas ballots that, that have three more days to come in. Um, so those will still be outstanding. So the vote totals we see on November 3rd will not be the final vote totals. But if you return your ballot early, just as soon as you get it, um, it your ballot will be included in that first batch as those numbers start getting released. Sarah, I've got a question because I'm actually, as I filled out my absentee ballot, I'm a little freaked out by this because, so when I registered, I registered a gazillion years ago, right? When I signed my registration card, obviously I'm a lot older and we all know your signatures change. So what signature do they actually compare it to, to make sure you are who you are? Usually what the first signature they're going to look at is whatever signature you used to register to vote. And that's generally going to be the signature on your driver's license. Um, in some cases, some people don't register when they um, when they get their driver's license. There are plenty of folks who don't have driver's license. Or you're license. an old person like me and you registered before, you know, that happened here. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But when you update your driver's license, they may they, they should have access to that as well. So that's the signature against which they compare it. So look at your driver's license signature then just to kind yes. of make sure that you're you're because, you know, mine changes from year to year and just kind of want to make sure my ballot is I mean, how do you, change, do you change your signature a lot? You know, the J's change. <laughs> it is what it is. It's when you, Jen became a senator and realized how you have to sign legislation and things like that. I think it was when Jen's been practicing law for, for 20 years and now it's some kind of squiggle <laughs> or line across. So, Sarah, this is the deal. So, let's say I send in my absentee ballot. The signature looks nothing like it did when I registered. What happens then? So if the county decides that, that they can't determine that you signed your ballot, they will notify you. Um, and you have up until three days after the election to prove your identity. And you need to do that by, by providing a copy of your photo ID. Um, you can usually do it either on email, take it in in person, fax if you have a fax machine, but you just have to provide a copy of your photo ID and sign an affidavit saying, yes, indeed, I am the person who submitted this ballot. Please accept it. They have to reach out and contact you. One of the reasons that they have lines on the applications to provide a, um, an email address or a phone number is to make it easier for the, the county to contact you if there is a problem. But that makes it so much more important to get the, that ballot in there quickly so that the county will evaluate it in plenty of time and you're not crushed with like 24 hours notice that you need to, to provide a copy of your photo ID. The sooner you send that ballot in, the sooner this, the, the county will evaluate it and let you know if there's a problem. Okay. I want to know about should people feel secure when it comes to a lot of questions that we got were, I sent in for my absentee ballot, uh, but now I want to vote in person because I'm not confident in the mail-in ballot. And my, so I guess my question is twofold. We should feel confident in sending it in our Dropbox. Is voting in person safer? And if you decide to opt to do that, uh, how does that work? 
So this is a question that I get a lot um, and I really appreciate it. And, and my answer is simply vote the way you're most comfortable. I'm voting by absentee ballot because I'm fully confident that it is a secure way to vote, that my vote will count um, and, and there won't be a problem with it. Uh, but some people don't feel that way. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, the best way if you want to vote in person, if you've already applied for an absentee ballot, if you have it in your hand, take it with you so you can give it to the polling official and they can cancel it right there. And that just makes it much quicker and easier. And there's no question that that you are you can vote on a normal machine and get that printout and use that. If you don't have your ballot, either because it's delayed in the mail or um, or you've lost it or the cat ate it. <laughs> I, as I'm watching Sarah's cat, it's just, your cat is living its best life right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, if you don't have it, you need to go and tell the polling official you applied for an absentee ballot, but you don't have it with you and you haven't returned it. You'll have to sign an affidavit pledging that you did not return it. And the county official will, the, the polling official will call the county to confirm that you have not returned that ballot because that's the, the safeguard against double voting. Right. If the county doesn't have that information or the polling official cannot reach the county because too many people are doing this, then you may have to vote a provisional ballot. And that's fine because all the all that will happen then is when they start counting the ballots and processing them, they will do that reconfirmation. They'll double check then that you haven't already returned your absentee ballot. And if, if they can demonstrate you haven't, then they'll count the, the provisional ballot. Um, so th there are always ways of voting. Even if you have your ballot, you don't want to use it, you don't have your ballot, any of those situations, no nothing should prevent you from being able to vote. I will say again, uh, if you do change your mind, it's much better to go during the early voting period instead of waiting till November 3rd, just because there are going to be more lines, more polling officials who don't have a lot of experience with this, and we don't want to create long lines and big delays for other people who are trying to cast their ballot that day. So if you do change your mind, you've applied, but you want to vote in person, please go utilize the early voting period from October 12th to October 30th. And so what's your advice? For example, I had a friend call me and she had sent in her absentee ballot. It kept showing that it wasn't accepted. And so she said she wanted to go vote on election day, even though she had already put her absentee ballot in the mail. What is somebody like that supposed to do? Well, first, don't put it in the mail if it's within seven days of the election. <laughs> that's that's my first piece of advice. If it is within seven days of the election, use an absentee ballot drop box. If you've used an absentee ballot drop box, you can have confidence that it will be counted. Um, they The county may not have gotten the, the system updated because they may be overwhelmed, but you can you can rest assured that your your vote will be counted. Uh, if you have returned the ballot and you don't see it being processed, the county will do their level best to make sure that you're you don't vote twice. But that's where that uh, provisional ballot will kick in. Um, that is the safest option for a voter who has returned their ballot but they don't see that the county has received it because that way that provisional ballot will only be counted if the absentee ballot didn't make it into the election office by 7 p.m. on November 3rd. So that's... Um, so you just need to be very upfront and say, look, I've yeah. been checking, checking. They'll check 
at their office because maybe sometimes the, the website isn't, you know, updated yet. And if, in fact, right. your absentee ballot isn't showing up on their end, then you ask for a provisional ballot and you vote mm-hmm. the provisional, which will only be counted if your absentee ballot actually doesn't get there in time. And you get the right. provisional ballot at your polling place. Yes. That's right. That exactly. is amazing information. Yes, it is. Especially because I think like you were talking about with new polling workers who really don't know the law. I know that I've been with people before and the poll workers won't let people vote provisional ballots or they'll say, no, you can't vote and and turn people away. So the more information that people have with respect to this, they can demand to vote a provisional. Let's get to we, we hear a lot from the president who talks about mail-in ballots versus absentee ballots. And then the whole idea that states are just going to be flooding voters, sending them ballots, even though they haven't requested them. Can you kind of just break that down for our listeners in terms of what's true, what's false, um, and what the implications of all of this are? First, the terminology mail-in ballot versus absentee ballot, those are generally interchangeable. So that is a false dichotomy right there. Let's just just get that out there. Uh, Georgia has not changed anything aside from allowing drop boxes. We've had no excuse absentee ballots uh, available to every single voter since the mid-2000s. For years, because it used to be seen to help Republicans, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. This is the first year where, um, because of the pandemic, we have large numbers of people who are applying for and voting absentee. I think once voters see how easy it is and see that they can vote from home and just drop that ballot back off, it's going to be much more popular. Um, So we'll see whether or not we need to fight to continue access. But across the country, until this year, there were four states that had all mail ballot systems. And these were, these are mature systems that took years to transition to this point. Those states are Washington, Oregon, Colorado, and Utah. Utah. Right. Right. So this year, because of COVID, three more states are mailing out ballots to every registered voter. Hawaii, California, and New Hampshire. Nevada maybe as well. I need to double, double check on that. But Yes, Nevada is because that is the only state that could remotely be considered a like a battleground state, a battleground state. Every other state requires a voter to affirmatively request an absentee ballot. Now, some states are doing what Georgia did in June, which is mail out applications to every registered voter. But that voter still has to request that ballot before they can get a mail in ballot. So we're not talking about states that could make or break the, the electoral college here. You know, every, um, every state, except with the possible exception of Nevada, we pretty much know which way it's going to go. So this will not change the outcome of the election because there are millions of ballots flooding into the state in every single state, including the ones that are mailing out ballots to, to registered voters proactively has a very, very robust chain of custody system. It is impossible for new ballots to wind up being counted that aren't linked to a specific voter. It just can't happen. 
Uh, so this is this is disinformation that literally is being tracked back to foreign powers, but echoed by political parties and, and political actors within the United States. And it's simply false. So, uh, you know, voters need to understand that we can trust the results that come out as long as people are able to vote and cast their ballot freely. That's what I'm concerned about. I am curious to know if there is a runoff with the jungle primary, uh, which everybody's anticipating that's going to happen. And then even with the Ossoff Purdue race, there are people who think that that could go into a runoff and who knows there could be several other uh, races that go into a runoff. Does the absentee ballot plan work the same for that? It will. Voters, uh, unless you're over 65 and you specifically requested a rollover ballot, you will have to apply separately for that. Yeah, reapply, which a lot of people aren't aware of, you know. I counted up. I think I've applied for six absentee ballots during this whole cycle. Six ballots in one year. And that creates a huge burden on counties because it's the counties that have to process all of this paperwork, right? They, They have to have hire extra workers, um, go through each of these applications, submit it all into the system. Um, there are easier ways of doing this. But that's why it was so great. I will say this. Let's give give some props. I don't know if this was in, intended or not. But the, the Secretary of State has rolled out an online portal for folks to apply for an absentee ballot. And that information goes straight into the Secretary of State's system. And that's securevoteGA.com. And that's what I did. And it was easy peasy. A lot, a lot more. It was a lot easier than filling out the application, having it sent to the county office, having the county, you know, processing it, then it getting sent up and down and, and the like. So, you know, we'll give props to the Secretary of State for that. Yeah. I will say the, um, the county still does process it because the county is ultimately responsible for maintaining all of the voter registration rules, but it's basically, it comes automatically into their system. They just have to review it and, and click a few buttons. Uh, but yes, uh, and this is a great system. I hope they're able to maintain it and, and keep it running in the future. After 2018 with the governor's race, uh, the Kemp and Abrams, which got so much national attention do you feel confident, Sarah, that with all these changes that you've implemented with the Secretary of State, with all the focus on Georgia, do you feel confident this time they're going to get it right? I hope so. That I'm was a very, very voters- long pause, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so here's the problem, right? We um, spent a hundred billion dollars on a whole new voting system, which is not what any Democrat supported. I, I think there may have been one Democrat in the entire state legislature who voted in support of this system. So. Uh, it's a complicated system. The average age of the poll worker prior to this year was over 70. So um, a lot of these folks have been doing the same thing for many, many years on the same machines. And now they're faced with a whole new system that has four times more moving parts to it. So it's really important that voters understand and are patient and they they need to anticipate that the the process is going to be more complicated. That's why they really, we need voters 
as much as possible utilizing those three weeks of early vote, especially in counties where we've got weekend voting as well. You know, there's there's a mandatory Saturday vote on October 24th, but I know Fulton County has two Saturdays and two Sundays. Cobb County has two Saturdays. Gwinnett has Saturdays and Sundays. Um, I'm not sure about DeKalb, but just in the metro area, but all across Georgia, there are lots of counties that are creating a little bit more opportunity. So it's so important that voters understand that they, they should go as early as they, they can and they should make a plan now to, to go in there so that there are not so many people at, at a, in a crush on November 3rd, because that's, that is how we will get it right. If we space out the voting, space out the voters, it will be safer for our poll workers. It will be more convenient for our voters. And I think we will get it right. But before anybody does any of that, before midnight on October 5th, everyone needs to double check their registration and make Absolutely. sure it's up to date. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's it. I think, you know, we always talk about, you know, the Secretary of State or the county election boards and what they're supposed to be doing. But it really is imperative on the voter a, to check their registration, make sure it's current, even if you've moved from apartment to apartment. I don't think that a lot of people understand that if you move from Fulton County to Cobb County or Fulton to DeKalb County, you're not going to be able to vote because you're not considered registered anymore because you have to be registered in the county of your residence. So that's one thing that really trips up a lot of people. So check your res registration, make your plan to vote, do it as early as possible, vote as early as possible, because really our role in this is to make it easier and better for the elections officials to be able to do their job. So Sarah, you're running for Georgia State House District 45. How's the campaign been going so far? Well, you know, we're campaigning in COVID, so everything is virtual and remote and contact-free because we want to be safe and, and keep our neighbors safe. But um, I can't tell you how gratifying it is to reach out every day and talk with my neighbors, talk with voters. Some of the stories you hear are, are, are really shattering and really heartbreaking, uh, but some of them are really hopeful and, and all of it just reminds me so much of how we are so much more alike than we are different and we all have the same hopes and the same dreams and we all want the same thing, which is, you know, we, we want our communities to grow, we want our families to thrive, we want good education, we want access to healthcare, and we just want leaders who are responsive. So it's been uh, it's been an incredibly gratifying experience doing this, and I'm so excited to uh, to flip this state house seat and to flip our state house. Period, because that's what we're going to do. Well, if you didn't think it before, after listening to this brilliant woman, you need to go support her. Go to www.gazal4forgeorgia word.com and Gazal is spelled G-H-A-Z-A-L. Um, Sarah, thank you so, so much. I mean, this has been incredibly helpful. It is absolutely my pleasure. I, I just think it's so important that everyone knows how best to make sure that their vote is counted because that's your voice. If you want a voice in your future, then you have to vote. Okay. So, it has been a crazy week, but at least we have all of the information that we got from Sarah as far as voting. I hope we answered a lot of your voting questions. And by the way, you could always tweet us now at our new Twitter account at podcast vote is our official 
Twitter handle because so many of you, that's two people, told us we needed to get a Twitter account. (laughs) And then, of course, at Senator Jen and at Mira Davis. But show us your ballots. Tweet them at us. You can always email us to voteherpodcast at gmail.com. We want to thank our guests today, Sarah Tyndall Gazelle. She was fantastic. We want to thank our editor and producer, Christina Larringer. I do want to give a shout out to our cover art that Terry White did. uh, We've never mentioned him, so he's awesome. We want to remind you, early voting starts October 12th. Yes, do it. Get out there. Make a plan. Get your voting plan. We will talk to you next week, and I'm sure nothing's really going to happen between now and next time. Yeah, sure, Jane. (laughs) So we're going to leave you with a video that was put together by multiple state representatives who serve in the Georgia House. And basically, they just wanted to tell people that their vote is their voice. Um, Representative Erica Thomas, Representative Derek Jackson, and and many others who made a cameo. So uh, listen and enjoy. On prison privatization, but took one billion from our education. Hey, that's why I voted no. Because these private prisons, they gotta go. And let's repeal, stand your ground. No knock warrants, citizens arrest from all around. Why? Cause these laws gotta go. But do you know who your rep is? Hold them accountable. It's the people's choice. So vote your voice, mask up, get to the polls, and make some noise. This ain't no game, so don't be lame. Know your rep, take the step, and vote for change. It's the people's choice. So vote your voice, mask up, get to the polls, and make some noise. This ain't no game, so don't be lame. Know your rep, take the step, and vote for change. Now it's my turn, I like to clear the floor. I'm the rep of District 64. 64, 64, 64. You say, you say, I'm too bold. I'm the rep to get your story told. How I vote, hmm, against bad bills. Expand Medicaid, mental health, seal the deal. This budget, absolutely not. This microphone, it's extremely hot. It's the people's choice. So vote your voice. Mask up, get to the polls, and make some noise. This ain't no game, so don't be lame. Know your rep, take the step, and vote for change. It's the people's choice. So vote your voice. Mask up, get to the polls, and make some noise. This ain't no game, so don't be lame. Know your rep, take the step, and vote for change.